You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello and welcome to the RUV English podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you as ever for your company and welcome once again to my guest today and for the next few Fridays at the very least, Lydia Athanasopoulou, who is a music journalist who is guiding us through the vast undergrowth of musical history, genre by genre, on this incredibly creative island. And Lydia, this week, welcome, hello. This week, we talk about jazz, which I have to say is not a genre of music that I am in any way familiar with. So I'm really curious, actually, not just about jazz in Iceland, but about jazz generally, I suppose. And so let's let's cover both of those bases, no pun intended, perhaps, as we look at the history of jazz in <laughs> <laughs> the history of jazz in Iceland. Well, hi, thank you hi. for having me back. It's it's lovely to be here exploring, like you said, this uh, massively creative but tiny island. Um, jazz, oh my gosh, what, uh, what a huge section of music worldwide. Uh, it's quite interesting you say you, you've not been so into jazz. Uh, I think... It is. It can be a difficult genre to break into because there mm. are so many different uh, stylings, um, and uh, some of them can be quite hard to listen to. Like uh, you know, bebop, hard bop, free jazz. You know, they can be quite quite tough uh, to follow uh, and mm. enjoy. Um, but one thing I have to say about Iceland is, I find that they manage to make music that is whatever the, whatever the style uh, mm. that is quite accessible uh, okay. to pretty much anyone uh, I, i'm not sure why this happens i have yet to discover um i don't know if it's because as a country in general they're quite uh, family oriented so uh, you know things do have to be accessible for people of all ages i'm, I'm not sure if it's because there's a lot of cross pollination in genres but uh, even with their jazz of course you can find uh, more challenging things but they I have found that uh, you can find a lot of really nice, easy listening, smooth jazz um, that is uh, an easy way to discover the genre mm. and eventually fall in love with it. When I was younger, I also didn't like jazz, uh, even though my dad is a huge jazz fan. Uh, but then sort of by, through other parallel or sort of uh, similar uh, genres on the Venn diagram, like, um, you know, maybe like soul music or, or you know, artists like Ella Fitzgerald or Aretha Franklin, Billie Holiday. I, that was a segue into jazz mm. and uh, a few you know decades down the line uh, I really enjoy even the, the more difficult stuff like bebop and, and free yeah. jazz. And is it a genre and of course you're, you're right there are lots of micro genres within that four-letter word but is jazz a genre of music that is well represented in Iceland? It doesn't immediately I suppose spring to mind for many when we think about Icelandic music. Mm -hmm. I think it is, uh, to be honest. I think perhaps it hasn't got the popularity that uh, pop music or electronic music uh, has uh, in Iceland. But I, th I, th my sense from what I've seen and discovered is that uh, the people who do uh, sort of listen or, or, or play music within jazz, it, I think it's a very strong scene. And I know that the Reykjavik Jazz Festival uh, has been happening annually since 1990, and it's the second oldest music festival in the country. So that, I think, says quite a lot. And I think because music education, uh, it, you know, is part of the standard, music, uh, st standard school curriculum here, um, 
and you know you, you can learn how to play a classical instrument of course a lot of uh, younger people then might go into classical music but i think mm. that is also a segue into jazz music um you know whether you're playing uh, keyboards or bass or maybe a trumpet or saxophone um so i think i think it's some, i th i think there's probably more room to grow uh, but from what I know, because I also know that in general, the Scandinavian countries, they do have a pretty good connection with jazz. Mm -hmm. And I, I have noticed there's a lot of uh, sort of cross-country collaboration between Iceland and, and Sweden and Norway and Denmark in the jazz field, like in most fields, but also in the jazz field. Well, we start today with a jazz musician, a double bass player who has been prominent in the jazz scene since the 1990s. He was granted the Order of the Falcon by the Icelandic president in 2014. But surely the greatest honor of all for him, Lydia, was to meet you in Sieglefjörd a couple of years <laughs> ago, right? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I hardly doubt that that's, uh, I doubt that that's you know, the height of his career. Uh, yes, we are talking about Thomas Einarsson, uh, mm, who mm. it was actually my honor uh, to have met him uh, here in Sieglefjörd a couple of years ago. Uh, he was performing, he was part of a uh, festival that one of our local uh, artists and, and well-established around the rest of the country, Alla Einsteinsdottir, uh, organizes. She does a couple of sort of uh, interdisciplinary art festivals uh, every year. And uh, he was uh, here at one of them a couple of years ago. And it was truly a delight to meet him and, and talk to him. His stories were fascinating. He was extremely knowledgeable on all kinds of music. Um, he speaks multiple languages. He's traveled extensively and it was Honestly, just an absolute delight to meet him. And so I, I did want to start the jazz show uh, with him because he also um, made me more interested in Icelandic jazz uh, mm. by talking to me. You know, he was talking about his travels, but also, um, you know, the, the earlier jazz scene here in the in the 90s and before that, uh, the the jazz clubs down in Reykjavik. Uh, the most famous one is is the uh, I think it's called Reykjavik Jazz Club. Um and uh, so, yes, I think it was quite fitting to start with uh, Thomas Einarsson, who is a double bass player. Um, I saw him here in Siglofjord that actually perform in the oil tank, which is part of the Herring Era Museum. It's an old oil tank, uh, which has been in town since before the Second World War. Uh, actually, during the Second World War, they had to paint the oil tank to look like a house so that the uh, Germans couldn't detect it. And uh, they, they've cleared it and it's just an empty oil tank, really. And it's quite cold in there. But the reverberation is absolutely stunning. And I've seen a couple of It must be shows. insane. It must, I mean, surely there is so much reverb inside a presumably a metal oil tank that mm -hmm. musicians can't hear themselves think. Or does it lend the music the most amazing quality? It's that Exactly. That's what happens. Uh, OK, I admit I haven't seen a punk band play there. And that would probably <laughs> be quite noisy. Uh, th though it might be quite enjoyable, given that punk mm. likes noise. But I have seen, um, you know, I've seen Egilfsson play a longspiel in there. I've heard uh, local uh, singers uh, sing sort of choral uh, music in there. And then I also saw Thomas Einarsson uh, accompany a video projection with his okay. double bass. And it was spine chilling. More than 20 albums in his discography. So how did you pick a piece of music and which one have you gone for? Um, it was very hard to pick because he does cover a lot of ground. Uh, you know, one of his main focuses uh, in his sort of later part of his career has been 
sort of in Cuban inspired uh, jazz music. So he plays from jazz to Latin to soul to mambo to free jazz. Um, and uh, so it was quite hard to select something. Uh, he was very nice to give me some of his uh, records before he left. And I have been playing them in the car uh, repeatedly. Uh, personally, I, I'm a sucker for more smooth traditional jazz. Uh, so I did select uh, something from his 2000 album called Untir Fjörur, or Fjora, so under four. Uh, and it has uh, drums, piano, tenor sax, and trumpet. And of course, Thomas is on the contrabasso. Uh, and the song I picked is called uh, Dansav i Leugini, so dancing in the swimming pool, which is a beautiful image, I think. Um, and honestly, I encourage people to check out his discography. Uh, he's also done the music for a documentary about Halter Laxness, who, of course, won the 1955 Nobel Prize uh, for Literature. Uh, the documentary is called Anti-American Wins Nobel Prize. I suggest people check that out. Um, and there's also been a small uh, biograph biographical film about Thomas himself as he toured around Cuba and he speaks fluent Spanish. He's translated works by Isabel Allende, Gabriel Garcia Marquez and others. So uh, just absolutely wonderful what he does in his music and uh, the little bit I managed to chat with him. So, yeah, the song is called Dancing in the Swimming Pool from his 2000 album Untir Fjordet.
Thomas Einarsson, the Icelandic legendary double bass player and Dansat Ilogini dancing in the swimming pool. And he, I remember last week we heard from somebody who worked with Steve Albini, which you were very excited about, Lydia, with some justification. Thomas Einarsson, of course, has worked with all manner of musical luminaries, hasn't he? Indeed, he has. And uh, it's very impressive because uh, it's not just contemporary names. It's also huge names, you know, like Chet Baker, Kenny Drew, Frank Lacey, who is famously from the Mingus Big Band, Ted Daniel, Ernie Wilkins, and many, many, many more. Let's go to ADHD. They've been around since 2009. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, another band that came my way empirically, Ate uh, Haute, ADHD, also played at one of Allah's festivals. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing them live. They are incredible live. Their energy is just absolutely electrifying. It's engrossing. The, the, the room goes dead silent uh, in the soft parts. And then when they're playing the more upbeat parts, you know, it's totally infectious. And I think that justifies why they were voted the best live act at the 2019 Icelandic Music Awards. Um, they, like you said, also have, uh, they, they have quite a prolific uh, discography, I think at least nine albums. Uh, I think all of them are just named sort of one, two, three, four. Um, and one of the projects that they also did, which I found uh, quite interesting uh, was so as, as part of a, a, a documentary film called The Sound of Nature done by Deutsche Welle, um, it was a sort of dedication to, uh, I think it was the 100 years from the birth or death of, of Beethoven. It was called Beethoven Pastoral Project. And it represented five musicians and ensembles from five different continents, each of them exploring themes of nature and the environment. And so Adir Haudir were involved in this. And uh, their ensemble was discussing the loss of natural habitats, and in this case, the Vatnajökull uh, glacier. Um, so I, I thought that was quite moving. You can find that on YouTube and watch it. Um, and uh, from their eight records, pardon me, eight, not nine, uh, I selected something from their seventh record from 2019, uh, which I did pick up from the live show. The song I selected is called Bacalao, uh, just because I do live in a fishing town and cod is such an integral uh, part of it.
ADHD Bacalao. This is the Aruv English podcast, and every Friday for the next few weeks, we'll be taking a look at the history and need to listen to the history of Icelandic music genre by genre. And my guest, my guide through all of this over the course of those weeks, is uh, with me in Sigilhjörður today. It is Lydia Athanasopoulou. Lydia, thank you for the selections so far. We go to the incredibly talented, not least because she's only 23 years of age, Loivi, who is an Icelandic Chinese singer, but but so much more, isn't she? Indeed. I'm very impressed with this young woman. Uh, Like you said, Loivi, she's only 23, uh, and she's already worked internationally, uh, has a bunch of records, won various awards. She's been on uh, Iceland's Got Talent in 2014. She was on Iceland's The Voice in 2015. She's uh, already uh, been and gone and studied at the Berklee School of Music in the US. The BBC has given her her own uh, radio show so that she can explore um, sort of her favourite pop uplifting uh, music uh, and songs from various genres. Very, very impressive. Uh, She's also a multi-instrumentalist. She plays the cello and the piano. Uh, She composes, she produces. um, And from what I was reading, she does come from a rather musical uh, background. Uh, her her father obviously had a great uh, jazz record collection, and that's kind of where she started uh, learning about, you know, Billie Holiday, and and then of course also more um, contemporary names. She mentions that she's a fan of of uh, Taylor Swift. Well, who isn't a fan of Taylor Swift? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I, I admit uh, she has some good tracks, and so yeah, Loewe, she she's got a beautiful voice. And she manages to really bridge uh, a sort of contemporary way of, uh, of of performing and producing and writing music, but with influences very much rooted in mm. the past. And she she has said that she's a, fa- a big fan of jazz music and she aspires yeah. to bring it back to a new audience and a new generation. Well, actually, I was great. thinking that if anyone has difficulty with jazz, because as we said at the start of the episode, it can be a difficult genre to explore and to enjoy, this is a perfect entry point, isn't it? Absolutely. It is a, a great entry point. And she, she she actually does a really good job of blending these these uh, various styles. And, and her voice also sort of... Uh, you you can hear all the all the small influences, and if you are a music lover, it's great when you hear a song. You say, "Oh, that that really reminds me of you know Nancy Sinatra." You know that kind of reminds me of uh, uh, you know Blondie or something. So I think she does a great job, uh, and she also has a pretty good uh, discography, and uh, so it's easy to find a lot of it online. So you should definitely check that out. And I have selected her track, uh, her recent track called uh, "Fragile." Slow your skin on my skin. 
Lovi and Fragile. Let's turn to one of Iceland's top jazz musicians. Again, probably known beyond the confines of, of jazz fans and jazz fandom. This is Stina Augustotia. Indeed, indeed. Uh, quite well known here and abroad. Uh, definitely got a real jazz voice. Uh, you know, covers a lot of ranges and, and also explores various styles in her music. Uh, I believe she her starting point sort of was she she was doing the singing voice for various Icelandic cartoons, uh, and of course she was singing in in choirs the way a lot of uh, musicians have done in Iceland, um, and she's she sort of does a soulful jazz fusion which is nice also a good entry point, um, definitely sort of some piano jazz and some dinner time jazz going on there, and uh, what I do like about her her music is also that she does sing in Icelandic as well. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's great, uh, you know, representing the language uh, in jazz music. And um, the song that I selected was from her uh, most recent album, Drown to Die a Little, which uh, blends sort of jazz and pop, a little bit of trip hop, uh, and a bit of rock, lots of references, all done uh, very, very well. Take 
Kysstu mig að morgni meðan hjörtu slá En getum við tekið sjansinn, tekið sjansinn, segðu já Á sín þín og augun, hæfinlega blá En getum við tekið sjansinn, tekið sjansinn, segðu já Slær á streng Sigurdans á tánum Huggulegri fæ ekki dreng Um þig vil ég syngja La 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 Þig einan vil ég fá En getum við tekið sjansinn Tekið sjansinn Stina Augustsdottir, let's go to the Iceland's Liberation Orchestra, which is a compelling name apart from anything else, isn't it? Um, picking up awards at the Icelandic Music Awards in 2021. Where do they fit in? Yeah, so I came across them just by doing research. And like you said, the name stood out to me directly, Iceland's Liberation Orchestra. I thought that was a brilliant name. And it does uh, sort of remind me of uh, spiritual jazz, you know, mm. a bit like John and Alice Contra Coltrane, Pharaoh Sanders, rest in peace. Uh, Don Cherry and the like, and um, they do veer into uh, territory like that, which which I really like, um, sort of free jazz, uh, and they have they also seem to have a strong relation to the natural elements, uh, which I like, and it, you know that's suggested by their excellent uh, record Four Elements, uh, that was met with very positive reviews, and they have uh, performed at various festivals and and abroad, and they did also win uh, Best Jazz Ensemble and Best Jazz Composition at the Icelandic Music Awards just now in 2021.
Iceland's Liberation Orchestra. We're going to finish today with a piece of music from somebody that points us ahead, I think, to a future episode, doesn't it? Because we've talked on this strand of the podcast, Lydia, about the difficulty of categorizing so much Icelandic music, precisely because there is that cross-pollination between genres. And famously, as they used to say in record stores, you could file this under jazz, but you could also file it under folk, I suppose, couldn't you? Yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I wasn't sure where I would uh, categorize uh, Sigurdur Flosason, uh, who is one of the most active uh, jazz musicians and has you know, performed here and uh, abroad with almost 30 CDs uh, under his belt, uh, 30 records uh, with a wide mm. variety of jazz music. Um, in each record, he, he kind of does explore something a little different and he does... Um, he does also delve into uh, folk music and traditional music territory by by sort of reinterpreting uh, traditional music or folk songs in a more uh, jazz way. Um, and he's he's also he often conducts at the Reykjavik uh, Big Band, and he's one of the founding members of the Icelandic Saxophone Quartet. And he he is a, a saxophonist himself, um, and has performed uh, you know all the Scandinavian countries: U.S., Canada, Japan, Thailand, uh, you know all the European countries. Um, and one of the records that I really like of his uh, is called Lady Day, and it's obviously dedicated to the music of uh, Billie Holiday, who is one of my all-time favourite singers. Um, and uh, on that record, he works with the famous key player Eithor Gunnarsson, who is also one of the founding members of Mezzo Forte, mm. who uh, were a sort of jazz funk fusion yeah. band. And, and, for, and for years, until the Sugar Cubes came along, Mm -hmm. The only band really, well, certainly in the UK, to break into the British music market from Iceland. And I'll always remember uh, the single that's called Garden Party. It wasn't until the Sugar Cubes, on who I'm certain we will touch in future episodes, came along, but um, Iceland had another big sort of international breakthrough act. And there are so many now, but Mezzo Forte, I suppose, led the way on that, didn't they? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, they they are quite well known, uh, even though I, I, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, um, they didn't end up having a very long career as far as, uh, you know, very many decades. But uh, when they did break out, and I think because they did this sort of fusion style and, and you know, uh, I think whether you listen to jazz or rock or, or pop music, you're probably going to find something you like by them. And like you said, they did pave the way for bands like the Sugar Cubes and, and Kukl. And um, they were also uh, signed to Steinar Records, which is one of Iceland's most famous uh, labels from the past, which helped mm. re uh, you know popularize and release very, very many artists. And uh, so, yeah, I was um, I was quite interested to see that they were on this uh Steinar Records because I I knew um, that label from from a different sound, uh, mm. sort of more a more rock new wave eighties sound, uh, and then I realised they were on the, the same label and um, mm. funny little uh, very quick story there. Uh, a couple of years ago we were travelling around Iceland one summer, and uh, we were near Borgarnes and uh, we decided to stay at a camping called Fossatun, um, and a beautiful little place with little huts, absolutely gorgeous view. Uh, and uh, we went into the sort of reception cafe area and all the floor uh, was paved, so to speak, with vinyl records. 
and there were vinyl records, uh, so beautiful. On um, the floor, that is heresy. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It was on the floor <laughs> and then covered in a special uh, see-through plastic. Okay, right. <laughs> um, but I saw this and beautiful album covers on the wall, beautifully framed. And uh, I went to the uh, man at the at the at the desk, and we chatted a little bit. And I said, you know, I, lo I love what you've done here, and what's the connection? And he said, and he, in very traditional Icelandic way, he 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 sort of gave one word replies, uh, but but it was an engaging conversation. And I found out that he was Mr. Steinar. He he was mm -hmm. the person who ran Steinar Records, and now he runs a camping site in Fossatun. So uh, I thought that was. That was just a brilliant um, interaction there. Okay, so we've talked about the Lady Day album by Sigfus Flusserson, and he features, or that record features, the keyboard playing of one of the founder members of Mezzo 40, as we said. But the song we're going to hear from Sigfus Flusserson, not from that album, but, but, but from a different one. Yep. So um, also quite difficult to select just one song because mm. he has a different sound, Mr. Flusserson. Uh, but I've picked the song Kefthu Av Mothur Maulid Mecht from his album Land of Dreams, Dreamalandiv, which is a beautiful combination of, of jazz, classical music, organ music, very popular in Iceland, where he has reworked traditional Icelandic folk music and songs. And I think that that was also one of the reasons I thought I might include him in the uh, folk uh, episode. Uh, but it's a good segue uh, to mm. move into that uh, perhaps next week or the week after that.
Sigurður Flosason, and as we said a couple of moments ago, you might file that or some of that under folk. And Lydia, that's where we're going next week to listen to and explore the vastly lengthy tradition, I guess, of Icelandic folk music, and particularly Rimur, which is a very particular form of music. We will unpack this in detail next week, but briefly, when we talk about Rimur, as a form of music, what do we mean? Uh, so, to me, Rimur really should be in the Hall of Fame of Icelandic cultural heritage. Uh, you know, the same way the sonnets are uh, to Shakespeare or, or um, any other long-standing tradition. Uh, Rimur is basically a style of singing, uh, a rhyming style of singing that also follows a specific type of uh, meter, and there are various meters in there, and. Uh, it is traditionally songs sung by uh, the people. It's definitely the, the absolute definition of folk music, also given that it is often not accompanied by instruments. Mm -hmm. uh, so the human voice is the only instrument. And uh, the the themes that they cover are also um, directly related to, uh, you know, people's lives. Uh, and also they it, they beautifully depict uh, life in Iceland, especially uh, from, you know, Gamla Daga, from, from the olden days, uh, just because of the, the themes that they cover, it, it perfectly highlights what Iceland was. So mm -hmm. um, we can go into it in more detail in the next show, but um, it is a fascinating, fascinating chapter of Icelandic music history. And it is something that I think is also very important and, and hopefully, uh, you know, that there will the efforts to preserve it uh, and keep it a living tradition and not just something from the past will uh, continue to happen. And something, as we have said, very and specifically Icelandic. Absolutely, yes, yes. I, I mean, I suppose it's the kind of music that could only have come from Iceland. I believe so, yes. Even though folk music exists and has existed in every part of the world, uh, and no matter how rudimentary any instruments or how simple or complex maybe the 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 singing style is or maybe the lyrics or the way that uh, the lyrics are um, written and the sort of meter that they follow but Rimur is uh, indeed I would say perhaps the most Icelandic style the most yeah typical style of Icelandic singing in my mind we'll get into all of that next week looking forward to that very much indeed Lydia thank you very much for your time that is Lydia Athanasopoulou joining me uh, every Friday for the next few weeks here on the Roof English podcast service investigating the vast and vastly lengthy musical history of Iceland genre by genre. This is the Roof English podcast and you can get in touch anytime. English at ruv.is and you can find us on Twitter, RUV English. You're listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.